0: This is Poetry on the Move. In this episode, Japanese poet Takako Arai reads and discusses her poem, "Dology," And we have a live reading from Paul Munden. Takako Arai published her first collection of poetry in 1997. Her second collection, Tomashi Dantsu, received the Ogumo Hideo Prize, and several of the works were translated into English under the title Soul Dance, Poems by Takako Arai. She is an associate professor at Saitama University teaching Japanese language and poetry. Since 2014, she's been involved with a regional language poetry project in Ofunatu City. Takako Arai was a guest of 2017's Poetry on the Move Festival where she read as part of a group of significant contemporary women poets from Japan here she reads dology with the aid of Jen Crawford from the University of Canberra
1: at first i read oshirasama ko in english titled dology Oshirasama is door like this the poem is based on japanese old region about a door おお二具台 nama da mo no te ku ya shushimura san o Shirasa sama wa ra de orashar ga no o shira sama wa mi ra de orashar ga musume
2: ko no Oh, you're even rounder than I expected cinched in by a skinny belt every spring you need a new red dress so now you're fat with layers a bundled up ball girl doll what a stink when your hems picked up as if those layers were stewed in soy for days Layers, layers fraying, and more layers, fresh layers every year. You put on new ones as the ones inside mature, and there inside you tend your many molds. In the spring they wriggle, teem, and like blossoms fall away. Well, it all makes sense. The silk threads are both the spit of the worms and their boiled up flesh, so of course they stink. You've been to the silk mill, right? The stench burns your nostrils because the cocoons are peeled skin. And so these layers, rotten with damp, turn back to flesh. Of course, girl dolls are the mummies of silkworms. Of course, girl dolls are the mummies of young girls. (laughs) Mugasuna, otazuna,
1: おうしらさまのすんぼうみたいなむすめっこが Once
2: there was a girl like a girl doll pole, whack, whack, standing with arms chopped off. Human sacrifice, yes? The human pole offered to the mountain goddess. We give thanks for all the lumber we're given, of course. Standing, she can't stop the flow of blood from her shoulders, moon blood. She's cinched to the pole and it splashes even from her womb and can't stop even after her last breath is gone, even after the goddess has stripped her skin. Girl doll is standing in for you. Girl doll is standing in for the mountain goddess.
1: はらあくるたびわげえべべっこほしがるから
2: Every spring you need new skin. So now you're plump with life, goddess. Celebrating the breath push, blossoms, then more blossoms from within your mountain gorge. For hundreds of years, thousands of years, layering age, please, Please make a corpse for me, slowly, slowly put the skins on, give me red ones, because I'll dye them, because I can't stop. Of course it stinks when you lift these layers, that's the moon.
0: Jen Crawford sat down with Takako Arai to discuss this incredible poem. Translating in situ is Dr. Rina Kikuchi from Shige University in Japan. Both Jen and Rina have been working together to co-translate Arise poems into English.
2: It's amazing after this time, having spent this time with your poetry to hear you read this poem, to hear it come alive, to follow along and to hear um, in the Japanese, on your in your voice, uh, mm-hmm. the words that we've been so involved with. <laughs> it's uh, really tremendous. And I wonder if maybe this is a good place to start. Can you tell us a little bit about that poem, um, how it came to be, what it took you to write that?
1: Y- y- um...
3: So before she started to write Oshira Sama, her latest collection of poetry were about the factory girls who were weaving the beautiful
1: clothes. Oshira-sama.
3: And so that was one of her themes. So she was once she was compiling the, all the poems for the collection called Beton Moons. And um, the earthquake hit Tohoku and it was um, March 19, no March 2011 and it was, it became such a shock for her and when she started thinking about making a new poetry collection, the next her collection and then she couldn't think about anything but something related to Tohoku
1: So she
3: actually went to Tohoku, but wherever she goes, her brood is so uh, closely related to this uh, weaving, the odd weaving. And so even in her, she was thinking about this weaving and the clothes and what kind of things we wear, why do we wear, and what this actually clothes means to human beings. And then so it was very natural for her to be interested in this Osirisama dolls because it's made of clothes, it's layered of clothes. And and then she started to read
2: about a lot of mythologies about this doll, mm-hmm. the goddess. Mm-hmm. Because Weaving is in your family, right? Yes, yes, yes.
1: My primary business is a uh, textile factory.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating to me, that um, poem, which appears to have nothing to do with the disasters of 2011 on the surface, um, has that connection there. Did you, did you have to uh, go through that process yourself, working with this material, which is so... Um, so physical uh, so so much in the body so violent mm-hmm. um, so um, so painful and
1: and ma osirsama to iu kami sama ni tsuite wa jitsu <laughs> so
3: actually, code met Oshira-sama a long time ago, so she knew it for long. So she has been reading, and she has been looking through all the pictures of the dolls. But it didn't become a poem for a long, long time.
1: So have seen a lot in that sense, preparation is
3: and actually when she physically went to Tohoku and get to know people and worked by um, herself on her own foot in a disastrous um, space and uh, made some friends there by going back there for poetry workshop and things and those times the long time preparation was enough for her
1: and um when she realized that
3: almost it was already set and a poem almost fell on her and it came the poem actually itself so came to her, so she was well prepared when the poem was ready
1: actually for her. Yeah.
0: That was Takako Arai, Ondology. Thanks to Jen Crawford and Rina Kikuchi for making that possible. For three years, Paul Munden was director of the Poetry on the Move Festival. As well as being a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Canberra, Paul has published five collections of poetry, including Chromatic and The Bulmer Murder, both released in 2017. Last year, we recorded him reading live from his latest collection, Chromatic.
4: I'm going to start with a a poem, it's a sonnet that uh, Melinda Smith was kind enough to print in the Canberra Times, and it uh, relates to my very first visit to Australia back in 2008. Um, It's a Sydney poem, I'm afraid, but you can forgive me for that, I'm sure. It's called Four Seasons in One Day. The roof tiles of the opera house glint like late frost against a midsummer sky. When a a sudden wind startles the water, we duck inside. Two Bellinis later, the air is electric, the sky like flint. The spring brides, posing on the harbour front, hold back their veils and pretend not to cry. When you ask me if I can run, I smile, then kiss you out of the blue and leg it around the famous horseshoe quarter mile of slippery flagstones in the minute before the theatre doors close the curtain rises on an autumn sunset serene you're still standing there breathless in the rain and I'd I'd, I'd never written a sonnet before last year um, but Paul Hetherington kind of got us going on a a project unruly sonnets we were calling them because we could kind of do whatever we liked with them and um, in the end, this whole book, uh, apart from the prose poems, and then even one of them, is uh, derived from the sonnet in some way. Um, and this next poem is, a, is a, a chain of three, and it's called Country Gardens, which sounds English. Um, it's, it features Percy Granger, who's a composer I thought was English until I moved here and found out he was Australian. Uh, And um, it it also mentions uh, another Percy, Percy Thrower, who was a a kind of celebrity gardener on the BBC way back. And and if you see uh, the poem on the page, it's it's kind of like um, a pianola role, um, and Percy Granger was into all that stuff. Percy Granger... No stranger to the proms has managed to arrange a last-night performance, (laughs) though he's nowhere in sight, 17 September 1988, some 27 years after his death. The audience fears the worst, but hears the wooden robot punch the Steinway's first pure note, only half a beat late, and intrigue sets in as it makes a pretty good fist of the Grieg but a plastic flower? Standards any lower would make Percy Thrower turn in his grave. (laughs) The BBC's sound archive still holds the live recording of when his puff of pipe smoke was enough for a pig to cough on cue for the archers. His later departures show how knowledge is oh so transferable. For BBC, read ICI, commercialism preferable. And what comes wafting across the lawn as the sun goes down on England is the Jules Holland Band on its forest tour circa 2000 A brassy remix of timeless classics giving us our fix of the dead but not gone In the central bed a deep red hybrid musk rose thrives on the mulched decomposition of other lives Thank you. Um, and the next is a, a, a very short poem. There are a lot of miniature sonnets in here. Um, so they're kind of five and four lines rather than eight and six or whatever. Um, and sometimes the, the title kind of acts as the additional rhyme. And this, this poem I thought connected with our boundary crossings theme. The shallows. You break from the company of sharks. And swim leisurely to shore, such a such a simple task, stepping from one paradise to another, but you falter, faced with picking your way through the shovel nose and cow tail rays that bask in the next to nothing water. There, there are um, quite a lot of characters in this book, um, some historical, some more recent. Um, Shakespeare, Stanley Kubrick, um, Caravaggio, Damien Hirst and and Sam Peckinpah features large, um, I spent a rather large part of a whole year of my life writing uh, a screenplay on on his life, um, which is probably too much time to be honest. Um, But this poem um, I've dedicated to Paul Hetherington because it features Grauman's Chinese theatre in Los Angeles, which is where the Oscars used to be presented, and Paul and I found ourselves outside that theatre um, last year. And it's called Camille, and this is Camille Fielding, wife of Jerry Fielding, who scored all Peckinpah's movies, including The Wild Bunch. Camille. Six months of absence blurred into seven, accompanied by relentless rain. Mud took control. The house was in danger of sliding down the mountain into Grauman's Chinese and still her husband stayed away. Her mind filled with the grotesque, seeing him let rip into Mexican halls in tandem with Sam, all their wild cronies roaring them on. She saw her marriage in the racing sludge, every slug of tequila. Her sanity began to slip. She sat in the dark, looking out over the city, preparing her tirade, laughing at her own innocence, laughing at the charade of writing music in the desert for seven fucking months. Yay! She began to compose a soundtrack of her own, carefully orchestrated shrieks and sobs to welcome him home. So we're, we're getting um, to the dark part of uh, this book and it does get rather dark. Um, this is the poem called Chromatic, uh, which features the composer Gesualdo, who was way ahead of his time. He was um, introducing harmonic shifts centuries before Wagner. Um, so uh, I've tried to create unexpected shifts in this poem um, between the sections and, and within the sections. And um, what else do we need to know? Does anyone follow athletics? No. but <laughs> You, you'll have seen High Jump on, on television at the Olympics or whatever. And in, in the olden days, you know, people used to go over leg, you know, leg first, and now everyone goes over backwards doing the, the Fosbury flop. You need to know that. <laughs> Chromatic. A frisson, discovering the composer was a murderer. Gesualdo, Prince of Venosa. It was thrilling as pornography. Imagine finding your wife in flagrante delicto and doing the butchery yourself, a baby into the bargain, possibly your own. I was just 12, curious to learn how the wife and cousin, Maria Davalos, had lost two previous husbands from excess of connubial bliss. (laughs) I could feel the dark harmonies taking my body to a new strange place. Each exotic chord change, a pass, through the arras. How now, a rat? The smell of rotting meat guides a shark to the scene through currents of formaldehyde green into which, as the protein in its eye will eventually tell, it was born four centuries ago, around the time Caravaggio was on the run for murder and Macbeth in rehearsal. The physical impossibility of death is its secret for as long as another polar bear falls through the ice although a fire in the Galapagos saw a near-immortal giant tortoise swing through the air like Dick Fosbury clearing the bar with his why-not technique that would give everyone the knack. Lucy in Syracuse with diamonds in her skull, singing a modern madrigal even even as a painting lowers her remains into a subterranean vault Bones that will bide their time until her saint celebrity DNA merits a revival. I copy the score in my shaky hand and begin to understand why an artist signs his name in the blood pooling from a prophet's head. Yes. So I will just end with a, a, a lighter poem. This is a lullaby, Venetian lullaby. Um, it's a it's a poem that really wants to be a, a musical box, and it's um, written for my grandson, Mattia Zumo. Venetian lullaby. You gaze from your cot at the bell tower of St Mark's. It seems only yesterday that your mother was as small, but tonight she holds the wooden lagoon in her palm twists the lumpen metal key, winds it tight until the miniature gondolier is released in an operatic mime gliding under the Rialto bridge. Our frail memories are in his custody like a circling dream and in the minute it takes for him to falter, stall you fall for his solid, inscrutable charm. Steer your own course through our commotions and let your heavy eyelids close like a secret. Thank you.
0: That was Paul Munden reading live from Chromatic published by UWA Publishing. This has been poetry on the move. This podcast is made possible by Ipsy, the International Poetry Studies Institute, and the Centre for Creative and Cultural Research, Faculty of Arts and Design at the University of Canberra. Thanks for listening.